Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our free 633 event this Sunday when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his message in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 called Resurrected Priorities. Go to 2 Corinthians, a few pages to your right. Look at chapter 1, 2 Corinthians 1, look at verses 8 and 9. Here's what Paul says about just a portion of his life in the Roman Empire sharing the gospel. He says, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, We do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, 2 Corinthians 1.9, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. We were burdened excessively. We des- despaired even of life. But why did Paul do it? Because he wanted other people to know the hope that he had discovered. The hope that found him, he wanted other, other people to know it. He wanted other people to hear that there's hope in Jesus. Do you? Do I? Well, that's what Paul is saying. His life was in constant danger. Bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city that bonds and afflictions await me. But none of these things move me. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20, 22 through 24. I'm bound by the Spirit. My life is not even dear to me for me to live as Christ and to die. Woo. It's like everybody says, I want to go to heaven, I just don't want to die. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> Verse 32. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. What does Paul mean that he fought with wild beasts at Ephesus? Well, you guys know that a church was planted at Ephesus, and the letter written back to them is the letter of the Ephesians, very precious to us. And you know there was a guy named Demetrius. He was a silversmith there. He was making little Tickle Me Elmo dolls. No, not really. He was making... Uh, little, little statues of the Greek god Artemis or Diana. And when Paul came in preaching in Ephesus and said that idols are nothing, there's only one true God, the silversmiths, Demetrius' buddies got upset and they had a rally in the public square and people were trying to keep Paul from entering in to the stadium lest he die. Paul saw it as a preaching opportunity. His friends were like, no, Paul, you've been beat up enough. Don't go in there. Stop. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Paul is saying that gods made with stone and and silver are not gods at all. He's infringing on our business, man. Are those the wild beasts at Ephesus? Maybe. Could have been false teachers. Paul would say in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, a wide door for effective service is open to me and there are many adversaries. Think about how many people hated Paul. If Paul signed up for a popularity contest in the ministry, he lost. If Paul measured his life 
by what a lot of the modern professing church measures it by? If you followed Paul around for two years as an investigative reporter and watched him go from town to town and see how his blessings were flowing, <laughs> you, would, you would say, this dude is beat up everywhere he goes. Yes, people get saved, but it's tough, and he gets whipped and beat up and left for dead. But Paul says, I'm not going to change one thing because people got saved. He says, if there's no resurrection, if I just did everything from human motives, what profit? 32. If the dead are not raised, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. This is a direct quote from Isaiah 22:13. Let me just paint the picture quickly. The, there's several oracles being written to several audiences in Isaiah. And several of the oracles are written to Israel. And here, Israel, or namely Jerusalem, is addressed as the Valley of Vision. And God is chastening his people. He's allowing uh, foreign armies to come in and discipline his people because they would not repent. So God allows them to swim in uncertainty and even loss and danger. And God's intention, of course, is that by doing this, the people would turn. They would repent and get things right. But instead of turning to God, you know what they do? They turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs. They try to escape reality. They eat and drink for tomorrow, they say, we're going to die. I have to tell you that way back in the day in my party days, I would sit with my friends partying and we'd be abusing our bodies and abusing substances. And we'd say something like this, well, who cares because the world's going to end tomorrow anyway. You know, the threats of nuclear war and you fill in the blank of all the news reports justified our actions. Well, the world's messed up anyway, so let's just drown our sorrows in alcohol, etc. And you know that there are people you know that they'll use any excuse for a party. We're going to party like it's 1999. <laughs> Every major holiday is an excuse for a party, a drink. But why? Escapism. See, God brought what he brought upon Israel thinking, and many times this did happen. Not that God had to think about it. He knew what they would do but that it would cause them, drive them to repentance. But instead, for many of them, it drove them away, another layer away from God and two substances that could never satisfy. If there is no resurrection, why not join those who try to drown out death's relentless knell, says Garland, with ceaseless reveling. Party it up, live it up, drink it up, for tomorrow you're going to die anyway, and if there's no resurrection, then you better get all the gusto you can get right now. Rex Humbard writes, A woman became very ill after a time of hospitalization. She returned home but was confined to bed. Her eight-year-old daughter was not aware of the terminal status of the illness. The little girl stood outside the bedroom door one afternoon as the doctor, along with her father, visited her mother. She overheard the doctor say, Yes, I will be frank with you. The time is not too far off. Before the leaves have gone from the trees, you will die. The little girl's presence was not detected. Sometime later, the father came to the breakfast table to find his little girl was not there as he had expected. After searching for her, he saw her out in the front yard 
His heart was broken as he watched her picking up leaves that had begun to fall. She was using thread to tie them back onto the limbs of the tree. This life is not going to last. It's getting away from all of us. You can't rake fast enough, nor can you sow fast enough. The question that Paul would ask through the Holy Spirit is, is there something for you to live for and even die for? You know, the rest of the world who doesn't know Jesus, what do you think they're living for? You got to turn up the music and drown out the reality of your own mortality. And if there is no resurrection, I don't blame anybody because if the computer screen goes blank and death is the end, then we better hang on with everything we got. Don't take any risks. Don't do anything edgy. Don't put yourself out there to try to reach some people group somewhere if there's no resurrection. But I want you to think, every time I bring up one of these examples, I want you to think of the opposite. But if there is a resurrection, then what should we be doing? Living our lives for the glory of God. Telling as many people as we can that there's hope, there's room on the boat for you. Punch your ticket to the train, for the train. Amen? <laughs> Do it with two fingers. I remember, I think it was John Corson who told a story. He said there was a pastor and he would make certain points and the congregation would clap. And so he spent five minutes correcting them saying, don't clap when I make a point. I don't want you clapping for me. And he was so poignant and convincing in his presentation, they gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> Verse 33, we're two verses away. Don't be deceived, 33. Bad company, what? It corrupts good morals. Do you think the Corinthians were being deceived? Do you think that the bad company here was not a rock band from the 70s? But rather, maybe this was the group of people saying there was no resurrection. Maybe the bad company had to do with bad theology about the resurrection. Hear me. Because your theology will determine how you live. Your doctrine, what you believe about God, is one of the most important things about you because what you believe about God and what's going to happen after this life will determine how you live. If you surround yourself with false doctrine or the mass spread uh, today of people being told what they want to hear, which doesn't give them the benefit of what they need to hear. And so they, they don't get the teaching, the full teaching of Scripture that allows us to amend our ways. Jesus said the truth will set you free. It won't enslave you. You need the truth so you can become free. There's another aspect of this. You can write down uh, 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3 to see the impact of false teachers. I won't go there for the sake of time. But there are, uh, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. They will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to myths. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. 
do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth. We regret to inform you all events you've heard about on this program have been canceled until further notice. This is because of the social distancing regulations that have been put in effect in our county. If you'd like to learn more, there's a special update with Pastor Michael on our website, walkintruth.com. Click on events. That's walkintruth.com. Click on events. On behalf of Pastor Michael, the Walk in Truth team, and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, we hope and pray you are well and that you trust in the Lord at this time. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. If you're in a circle of doctrine and discussion that continually ebbs away at your Christian faith, you may want to reconsider the company you keep. The university system parents, grandparents, is all but corrupt. And I'm even concerned about seminaries. Mailing in belief in the supernatural and the resurrection and the virgin birth. Look, if we don't have that, if you're going to deny the resurrection and the reality of it, I don't know why you're in a seminary teaching. Because as I mentioned to you last time we were together, you pull the resurrection out of the New Testament, the document becomes mutilated. It's interesting to note that bad company corrupts good morals may be a quote from an ancient secular source, namely a a comedy play called Thais, T-H-A-I-S, written by Meander who died in 292 B.C. We're not sure if Paul knew of Meander, but the phrase became a cliche even in the world and probably even before Meander. Though Meander was a pagan, he spoke the truth. The Greeks were familiar with the quote, kind of like a lot of phrases in our own culture, bad company corrupts good morals. You don't have to be a Christian to get that one, do you? Just that simple. And finally, Paul says, become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning, verse 34. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now, many times when we were reading our Bibles, we can see Paul encouraging and edifying even a church like Corinth that was messed up and had all kinds of problems. But there's a time to say to somebody, stop sinning. Do you know that Jesus did that? Jesus healed a man at the pool of Bethesda, a man that had been in a condition for a long time, and Jesus said to the man, do you want to get well? The man said, well, every time I try to get into the water, somebody beats me into the water. Jesus ends up healing him. Afterward, Jesus found him, John 5, 14, in the temple. He said, behold, you've become well. Don't sin anymore, 
so that nothing worse may befall you. In John 8, the woman caught in the act of adultery. You guys know the story. They're trying to trap Jesus. They say, Moses says she should be stoned, but what do you say? Every head turns. What's he going to say? What do you think he's going to say? Jesus starts writing in the ground. We don't know what he wrote. But it could be that he wrote all the names of the people there and their sins because he knew everything, right? Can you imagine peeking over? (gasps) (laughs) And then he rises up. He who is without sin, cast the first stone. You know, people were without sin. And we all know what happened. They dropped the rocks. They walked away. Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? There's none, Lord. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and what? Sin no more. Is there a place for us to say to somebody, stop sinning? Yes. We just read it. Could that apply to me and you? Yes. Sometimes we just need to be told that bluntly. Just stop it. Because we have something at stake here and it's a testimony which when we read between the lines here, certainly was in question in Corinth with the church that had all these things going on. During the Finnish-Russian War, final story, seven captured Russian soldiers were sentenced to death by the Finnish army. The evening before they were to be shot, one of the soldiers began singing Safe in the Arms of Jesus. Asked why he was singing such a song, he answered tearfully that He had heard it sung by a group of Salvation Army soldiers just three weeks earlier. As a boy, he had heard his mother talk and sing of Jesus many times, but would not accept her Savior. The previous night, as he lay contemplating his execution, he had a vision of his mother's face, which reminded him of the hymn he had recently heard. The words of the song and the verses from the Bible that he had heard long ago came to his mind. He testified before his fellow prisoners and his captors that he had prayed for Christ to forgive his sins, cleanse his soul, and make him ready to stand before God as the bells ring. (laughs) Perfect timing, thank you. All the men, prisoners and guards alike, were deeply moved and spent most of the night praying, weeping, and talking about spiritual things and singing hymns. In the morning, just before the seven were shot, they asked to be able to sing once more, safe in the arms of Jesus, which they were allowed to do. At least one of the other Russian soldiers had confessed Christ during the night. In addition, the Finnish officer in charge said, quote, what happened in the hearts of the others, I don't know, but I was a new man from that hour. I had met Christ in one of his loveliest and youngest disciples. And I had seen enough to realize that I too could be his. Father, we thank you so much for the grace of Jesus in our lives, how we desire resurrected priorities. Lord, on behalf of this precious congregation, I think we'd all come in humility asking that you'd be merciful with us. And we each would celebrate your patience. You are so good. You're so good to be patient with me in the things that I fail to do. So good to be patient with my ongoing besetting sins. So patient with my pride. So good to me. If you, O Lord, kept a record of my sin, I could never stand. 
But with you, there's forgiveness and amazing grace. The gospel tells me that every sin I've ever committed, you have erased. Now I'm going to ask you to keep your head and heart bowed and ask you to just meditate on God's word and think about what the Spirit might be saying to you. Do you know Jesus? If, God forbid, you were to die tonight, would you end up in heaven? It's a good question because we don't even know if we have tomorrow. So if you're not a Christian right now, you can just pray something this simple. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that terrible cross for me. Pray it if it's you. Thank you for rising again from the dead and defeating death, my mortal enemy. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you are God in human flesh. I turn from my sin and I place my trust in you. Would you save me and change me from the inside out? In Jesus' name. If you're a backslidden Christian and maybe your priorities have been going sideways, maybe you were hurt or maybe you got some information that upended your faith or whatever it might be, he's here and he wants to call you back home. Come home. He's waiting for you. And if you're a soldier of Christ and you've been on the front lines doing your best and trying to walk straight and do what you're called to do, I pray the Lord would encourage you. You're not doing one thing in vain. You're doing things that will count for eternity. Keep going, my precious brother or sister in Christ. Keep your eyes on him. Keep putting on the armor. Keep seeking him first thing in the morning. Just ask him for grace and he'll give you grace upon grace. He'll give you everything and more that you need produce the fruit of the Spirit and to live your life for what really matters. Father, for those, all of those, all, every heart who's responding to your word, I pray that you'd be honored in our response. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. You're listening to Resurrected Priorities, part three on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 29 through 34. Remember, our goal is to equip you so you have an answer for your faith in Jesus Christ. Are your friends, family, or coworkers asking you questions about Christianity? Are they questions you're having a hard time answering? Well, we'd love to help you with those answers. Email your questions to this address, answers at walkintruth.com, and Pastor Michael will answer your question using the Word of God. Again, the email is answers at walkintruth.com, or you can write us a letter the old-fashioned way at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Again, our mailing address is P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And we look forward to hearing from you. Now back to Pastor Michael. Well, I'm sure you've been hearing about the coronavirus. No, it did not originate in the city of Corona. I serve as senior pastor. Uh, I suppose it was called Corona because of the circular uh, nature of the virus, if you've seen that before. And we are called the Circle City or the Crown. So there's absolutely no connection other than we're called Corona. But the coronavirus actually started in China. You say, Pastor Michael, why are you going here? Well, I'm going here because people are panicking. Maybe you are. And you know what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Look, God is sovereign, and maybe he's speaking to us as a world, you know, thinking about China and some of the things that have happened in China, really atrocities have happened in China, uh, thinking about the U.S. and how might God want us to respond in terms of crying out to God. 
and coming back in repentance and asking for revival in our nation? How about it starts with us in the churches? How about instead of us panicking, we share the hope and the peace and the joy that we have in Christ, even beyond this life? So people need to hear about this hope, and I pray that you be an ambassador of hope. As you go about your business, yes, be wise, of course, be wise about what you do, but don't live in fear. That's not our God. And let's let's be ambassadors of the peace, the shalom, the joy that we have in the Holy Spirit. Let's spread the message that there's a hope, and his name is Jesus Christ. God bless you. So glad you're listening. Make sure you get into church today, and we will catch you next time right here on Walk in Truth. Listen on Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 called The Resurrection Body. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a great weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.